Welcome back to the Off the Post Post Media Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Mike Trakos, who was uh, off on a special assignment the last couple of weeks. So we had to take a bit of a spring break here ourselves. Mike, how are things today? Pretty good. Just kind of gearing up. It feels like the playoffs are about to start and you know, these final, I guess it's like six to eight games uh, on the schedule, just kind of like, all right, let's get them over with. <laughs> let's let's oh, get on to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a national podcast, so there's different expectations and different thoughts and different excitement levels uh, across the country. But it it really does, to me, seem like the everything kind of stalls after the uh, after the trade deadline because, I mean, there's some interesting races, and we'll get into that later. We're going to talk a little bit about the Leafs. Um, we're going to talk about some of the goaltenders around the league. Carey Price for one. Um, look at some of the top Canadian teams. Obviously, Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, Montreal, and uh, then the bottom dwellers. What's happening with the teams that are outside the playoffs? And then we'll look at these playoff chases, which to me, there's a stark difference as there has been. Mike, a theme for us all year is East versus West. But um, right. let's start with the Leafs. Uh, just because it's your expertise, you're in Toronto. Um, and there's always drama around the Leafs, and I just love it. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons why people can love or hate the Leafs, uh, and I know in Toronto they love them, but this is why the, having the Leafs is relevant is compelling to me because if you don't like the Leafs, you've got to love this drama that went on last week between Babcock and Dubas, and now there's some issues with the media and, and, and you know Babcock getting a little bit prickly there, and ultimately the team has not spurred on from the trade deadline to what people thought they'd be this year. What? What's it like in Toronto or around the Leafs? Yeah, I don't think there's been a level of expectation in Toronto. Um, well, at least since I've covered the team. Like, you have to go back to the early Pat Quinn days where uh, the Leafs were able to kind of spend their way out of trouble. And it seemed like they had a perennial contender every year, whether it was a Stanley Cup contender or not. Um, I'll leave that up for debate. But really, there hasn't been a season where uh, the Leafs entered as prohibitive favorites, or at least in that, you know grouping of four to five teams that you'd say okay as they have a shot and that's what toronto has kind of had to deal with for the first time uh this year and you know at, at times i think and we're seeing it it's it can strain on you um like this is a it's funny like we're talking about a team that's really been amongst the top three in the conference all year and yet when they go on a two-game losing streak or when austin matthews is scoring for eight or nine games it's kind of like chicken little syndrome around here in toronto where the sky is falling all of a sudden and uh, the the coach doesn't like the gm and um this team doesn't have enough depth and the defense is complete garbage and william nylander is um the worst signing uh, in, in the nhl history so it, you almost have to take it with a grain of salt but i think it just kind of goes to show just how um controlling of the, the market that this team is like I, I don't hear any kind of complaints about other teams, whether it's uh, like Carolina or um, even the Bruins, whenever they do go on their spells. But with Toronto, it just seems like every day it's something new uh, on the news cycle. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. And by the way, I think um, fans in Edmonton uh, and Vancouver, when you look at Milan <laughs> Lucic and Louis yeah. Erickson would have something to say about that uh, Nylander take. But looking at those at those three markets in particular, expectations are a funny thing. In Vancouver, there's not a lot of hue and cry that the team's missing the playoffs again because people are like, look, you need to amass more talent and a better draft lottery. You have the tank versus no tank argument, but you need higher draft picks to compete in Edmonton. Yeah, they've got these high draft picks and they've got one of the best players in the game and they always seem to be running in quicksand. 
So the expectations were in the middle there. But in Toronto, you mentioned Nylander. Getting him back in the fold was supposed to be the last piece after going out and you know, dropping a ton of money on uh, John Tavares and getting in this homegrown superstar from Toronto to go with Austin Matthews. The generational talent was there. So that's obviously where the expectations are in Toronto. Um, but why isn't it working? What's uh, in your opinion? Like what is it? The, is it the pressure? Is it this team doesn't, isn't really built properly? Is it guys aren't playing up to their abilities? Is it the coaching? Is it like, what's going on in your opinion? Well, in, in my mind, the Leafs are where they should be. Um, I didn't think that they were going to be better than Tampa. Well, I, honestly, I, I didn't think they are going to be better than Tampa in the regular season. Uh, I thought this was Tampa Bay's President's Trophy uh, to lose, and um, really we've seen that. Like uh, This team, the Lightning, have just been dominant. So I thought it was going to be Toronto battling out for Bo- with Boston for home ice advantage. And, and that's really, if you're not going to catch Tampa, that's all that's up for grabs. And you know, the, the Leafs are losing that battle right now. Um, as of Wednesday morning when we were taping this thing, uh, Toronto's got 96 points. The Bruins have won 101. So Toronto's going to finish with more than 100 points this season, it looks like. Um, they're going to have a 50-goal score in Tavares, or at least something close to it. They're going to have something close to a 100-point uh, score in Marner. And if had Matthews been healthy, he'd been in that conversation for each of those kind of achievements as well. So... You almost whether it's gone right, whether it's gone wrong. I think, and I am. Everyone's been saying this from day one. It's gonna time will tell uh, after that first round of the playoffs. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs, after getting John Tavares in free agency, um, they were always gonna be measured by how well they did in the postseason. And you know, going out in the first round was it, it can't happen. I I was on record saying that if Toronto goes out in the first round, whether it's in seven games or four games or whatever. Um, it was going to be a catastrophe. Like that is, that's something that where heads are going to roll afterwards, whether it's assistant coaches, head coach, or whatever, or just uh, players being shipped out. Like that cannot happen. And we'll, we'll see if that happens. Right now, if I was going to bet on it, I'd say the Bruins are going to easily win a uh, first round matchup with the Leafs. And, you know, that's where the disappointment, I think, comes in. When you're looking at that matchup, I think to a man, everyone's saying that the Leafs just aren't there yet, where. Um, if you had a hundred dollars to spend on one of the teams going into the second round, I, I think nine out of ten would say, you know what? Uh, objectively, the Leafs are going to lose that first round battle. And why it's happening? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, this team has all the firepower in the world. They've got a really good goaltender in Frederick Anderson, but aside from Morgan Riley, that defense is just not up to par. And it wasn't up to par when Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott were still healthy and. Uh, now that they're out, it looks even worse. So um, I, th- I think that's where the issues are going to come into play. Um, so, you know, if Toronto doesn't meet expectations in the playoffs this year, well, Kyle Dubas and uh, the rest of the management uh, staff has their work cut out for them. They have to figure out what to do because a lot of these guys are getting huge salary increases for next year. And I don't know, barring a trade, how you're able, uh, able to uh, – uh, rectify that situation on the back end where just this team isn't deep enough or talented enough. You raise an interesting point um, just in terms of what the expectations on the Leafs season are. And, uh, you know, we have been talking about Tampa all all uh, all season, but in the, especially in the second half of the season, Boston are just a beast. Um, there are power-broking teams in every league. If the Cowboys and Patriots don't like something, it seems to get attention in the NFL head office. 
You know, if the uh, if the Yankees and Red Sox don't like the way something has happened, it tends to there's a lobby towards whatever it is in Major League Baseball. Um, I've seen some chatter about the playoff format. Is it fair that the Leafs have to face the Bruins in the first round? And if that's the case, and you say they wouldn't be the favorite to win, and if they're dispatched easily, you know, you talk about they're going to get over 100 points. They've, you know, got Tavares. They've got Matthews. Is this a flaw in this current system that the NHL has in their first-round playoff matchups? And can you see any appetite for changing it? I, I don't see any appetite in changing it, and I don't subscribe to the opinion that the Leafs are somehow um, getting the, the the raw end of anything or the short end of the stick because they have to face the Bruins. Boo-hoo. Like, I'm sorry. Like There's bad matchups everywhere. Uh, go ask the Washington Capitals, who've almost always had to face the Pittsburgh Penguins in either rounds one, two, or three. Um, you win a cup, you got to go through some t- tough teams. And whether it's this format or the one versus eight, you know, in the one versus eight format, I'm just kind of, I was clicking on it as you were speaking there, Paul. Not that I wasn't listening. I was kind of doing both, but um, <laughs> Toronto would have to go against Pittsburgh if the season ended today and you went through that one versus eight. So imagine the belly aching. Um, if the Toronto Maple Leafs had to go against Sidney Crosby, everyone would be saying, wow, this, this is a flawed format. We should go back to the divisional ones. Or like, mm. I don't know what you do. Um, you know, the Washington Capitals won a Stanley Cup last year. They, they had to overcome a 2 nothing deficit uh, on the road against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then they had to beat their... Uh, big rivals in the Penguins. Then they had to beat the Lightning and then go up against that juggernaut of the Vegas Golden Knights who were just seemed like Cinderella um, had, or Cinderella's godmother had kind of um, put them into the Stanley Cup final. And you know what? No one was complaining there. And I think, you know, for the teams that do get past their, uh, that hump or that slay that dragon, I think victory becomes even sweeter. So, you know, if, if I was the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, general manager or head coach, I'd say, you know what, bring on the Bruins. Um, I, I want to prove that we can beat this team. I don't want to be hiding away from them. So, yeah, like I, I never understood that whole, oh, poor Leafs, they have to face the Bruins. Well, you know, like Washington and Pittsburgh might have to go up against each other in the first round this year. I don't hear any complaints out of Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin. Well, I'm I'm old enough to remember those few years in the '70s where they did one versus sixteen, and and I would love to see them go back to that, if only that it gives you the opportunity to have the two best teams in the Stanley Cup final. That you could get a Montreal, Toronto, in the Stanley Cup final. You could get a Rangers, Islanders, whatever it is. Um, and I know people will talk about travel. How I think right now you might end up with a Colorado, Tampa Bay first round matchup which can really wear on itself but the west coast teams have to deal with horrendous travel anyway it's just the time you soft easterners uh, had to share your load of the your, your share exactly of the, the load there um but i i, I think you're now the one... and now everyone's chartering too paul like back in those days yeah no one was chartering like it's the, the only people who should be complaining are the media who've got to hop on like flight after flight to get from one city to the next but everyone else is yeah, chartering, yeah. so it's not a big deal I see the media pictures from the press box of all everyone like competing with each other to put on the best spread of free food for the media. So my heart doesn't bleed for media guys either. But I know what you I mean, travel can be grueling, but there's ways the season is so stretched out. You, there's ways to deal with it. I don't think there is an appetite to go one versus 16. Um, I just wish they would because I think it makes sense. Maybe the geography of North America just puts that off too much. But uh, and we know that the NHL playoffs are a grind. But uh, I, I, I think. 
what you said earlier is there's always going to be people unhappy every year there's going to be some sort of you know one year the divisional thing wouldn't look good one year one versus eight wouldn't look good one year one versus 16 wouldn't look. but i just like the idea of you're the best team in the regular season you play the worst team that's in the playoffs second second worst and so on and so forth um but and, maybe, and you know what we'll, I, I th- and i think the thing that we've kind of avoid uh, avoided with this new format is that it used to be that the first round was the best, most compelling round, and then it sort of petered yep. out as you went along. And then by the time you got to the final, unless there was a Canadian team or a team that you seemed to be uh, had a soft spot for or, uh, or kind of pushed a needle, you really didn't care. Now you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, as it stands right now, so you got Washington um, against the wildcard team and then Pittsburgh against the Islanders. Like you could have a second round now where you've got Capitals versus Penguins. You could have your Tampa versus Boston or Tampa versus Toronto. Like you go down the list, and um, you could have the Jets against the Predators. You could have the Flames against uh, the Sharks. So I think it gets more compelling as you go on versus the other way, where it just kind of dies down a little. And the first round uh, was the best and the only thing worth watching in the playoffs. Now it seems like it just gets ramped up more and more as you go through the rounds. Absolutely. So we'll leave that Leafs talk there. Uh, We'll come back and we will talk a little more Leafs when we talk specifically about the goaltender in our second period. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10-3, Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to the second period. This is the Off the Post Postmedia Hockey Podcast. Um, Mike, I did see a, a comment, and I, maybe too much is being made of it, but Frederick Anderson saying he needs to feel good going into the playoffs or needs to feel better, something along those words. Now, we were just talking about playoff matchups, and if you have to face a tough team in the first round, so be it. But there is something to be given to building momentum, to getting on a roll, getting on a run. Is the Leafs goaltending a source of concern for you? It definitely is. And it's been this way really for the last, I guess, two or three years since Anderson's been here where he's, well, this year he's been pretty good at the start of the season, but typically he has his worst uh, months uh, in the first month of the season and in the final month of the season. And, you know, the first month of the season tends not to be a big deal. Um, but when you're playing your worst hockey um, in March and April, well, it's no wonder the Leafs haven't been able to advance since the uh, past the first round since he got here. And you know, you're looking at his splits. This is a guy that was in Vezina conversation. Probably wasn't going to win it, but was at least going to get some votes and maybe finish in the top five. Um, really, from October to, I'd say, February. Uh, but now you're looking at his stats. In you know, March, this guy's got an 887 save percentage. Um, he's 5-2-2. Two, and two. Um, That's just not good enough. And I know Anderson faces a lot of shots. The Leafs give up a ton of chances. That's We talked about it earlier on, that this team is just not defensively strong. But uh, if the Leafs are going to go anywhere, uh, it's going to be because of Anderson. So, yeah, there are concerns. And the bigger concern is when you look around the league, I, I know every team is going to be in trouble if you lose your number one. But check out what's happening in Colorado where, like, Philip Grubauer has really uh, stood up and given um, uh, Sergei, uh, Sergei Var- Varlamov um, some breathing space now uh, as the Avalanche are fighting for a spot. Look, look around. Uh, from team to team, um, th- there's examples of backup goalies, 
who are really shining, whether it's the Islanders with the, that tandem that they've got with Grice and Lehner, uh, whether it's Nashville where they've got UC Saros kind of spelling off Pecorini whenever he's not doing it. Even Tampa Bay has gotten a lot of uh, wins out of their backup goaltender who really couldn't stop a puck in Edmonton. So um, this is concerning because the Leafs don't have that you know, a plan B. There, There is no safety net if uh, Anderson sort of falls off uh, in these final weeks. And I think that's the concerning factor is that, you know, the Leafs could be going into the playoffs with a cold goalie. And, you know, we, we say this time and time again, like, how do you win a playoff or how do you win a Stanley Cup? Well, 90% of it is because you're goaltending. I don't recall the last time that a team won in spite of their goaltender. So, so let's talk about Montreal then, because there's this feeling that people have looked at Carey Price the last uh, two, three weeks, maybe a month, and said, oh, man, this looks like Carey Price of four or five years ago in the playoffs. Um, yeah, you can play good team defense. I, I would suggest the Islanders. That, you know, only 188 goals given up all season, which ties Dallas for the league best. Uh, that might be more of a product of, yeah, they're getting good goaltending, but that's a team defense. It's a philosophy. Montreal just have this guy who has no business stopping pucks that he's stopping. How far do you think Price can take the Canadians in the playoffs? And do you see the rest of that lineup as being one that can kind of swell behind that and maybe upset a couple of teams in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, the Canadians are going to go up against the Lightning the way this is kind of shipping up to be. And believe me, there's not a player on Tampa Bay's roster that is happy about having to face Carey Price for uh, possible uh, seven games. This has upset written all over it. And that's the X factor when you've got a carry price in that is that, you know, even if you're the eighth seeded team heading into the playoffs, Montreal Canadiens players, you'll ask them to a man, they'll say, yeah, well, we feed off this guy. If he's hot, we know that we can kind of stretch a little. We don't have to worry too much about the defensive end because this guy's capable of stopping two on ones or three on twos or what have you. So it's a very dangerous team that's got a hot goalie, especially a guy like Carey Price who, wasn't too long ago, was the MVP of this league and also leading the Canadians to an unlikely berth in the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it. And we're talking about matchups. Like, like you said, <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, would rather face the Boston Bruins these days or the Toronto Maple Leafs than a uh, Canadian team with a red-hot carry price. So we'll see if, if he can maintain what he's doing right now. Uh, the Canadians are going to be in a playoff spot. And beyond that, you know what? They could be the one team that's sort of um, knocking on the door in terms of being one of those upset teams. So would you rather be the Montreal Canadiens who may be more overly reliant on your goaltender or be the Calgary Flames who t- continue to defy the odds, Mike, and, and you know, a very talented roster that's proving its worth every week, hasn't slowed down, very consistent. But if there's a big question hanging over their head, it's goaltending. Which would you? Which scenario would you rather have? The hot goalie that you rely on, or the better lineup and maybe some question marks in goal? No, I'd rather be the Montreal Canadiens, to be honest. And I was looking at the the Calgary Flames situation right now, and I, I know the, the optimist says, you know what, uh, doesn't matter what goalies in net, we can kind of turn to one or the other and rely on wins. But it's got to be concerning. Uh, where a week and a half ago, I think everyone in Calgary was kind of thinking, okay, well, David Riddich was going to be our number one goalie for game one of the playoffs. And now Mike Smith's made the last three starts and looked very good in every one of them. And now you're going, okay, is Mike Smith going to be the number one goalie? And what happens if he kind of uh, falters in game one, you got to go back to Riddick and he's not playing well. Then you go back to Smith. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. Like when you're talking about a seven game series and 
neither goaltender is feeling good about his game, if that's the case, then you got problems. What you want is a scenario where you know you don't know which goalie to put in because both guys are playing lights out. Well, that's not necessarily the case here. It seems to be they're yo-yoing between either goalie. And like I said, if that's happening come playoff time, you might have problems in Calgary. You know, I just wanted to finish up the goalie talk by talking about, uh, you know, former Canuck here and probably should have been Leaf at some point, uh, Roberto Luongo. It kind of looks like it's future the end of the Hall line of for Famer, him. Right? You, 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 are you, are you dead set on that? You think he's a future Hall of Famer? I know he's third and wins um, behind Brodeur and Wah. Uh, you know, certainly played a long time, never really had any playoff success. I mean, yes, I mean, that's, I say that as a Vancouverite, he got to the final questions about his goaltending there when he was lit up in Boston a few times but just seemed like he ran out of gas but just uh you know kind of redeemed himself I guess with the gold medal in 2010 um but just seems to be that notch below I guess he's I guess he's a slam dunk hall of famer I think so you know what the problem with Roberto Luongo Paul is that really his career has been bookended by playing on really really bad teams like he spent the first five to six years on really just garbage Florida Panthers teams and he's you know finishing his career in Florida where he's very much in the same scenario so that middle chunk of his career where he was with the Canucks basically in the playoffs every year and deep into the playoffs most of that time uh add on a gold medal win um at the Olympics um factor in that this guy's safe percentage even on those terrible teams has really hovered around the 920 uh, Mark and yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer, uh, a Hall of Fame person as well. Um, and that you know what, as corny as that sounds, that does matter to voters. That matters a lot to the committee that you're putting in a guy that has had a Hall of Fame career both on and off the ice, uh, tremendous in his communities, um, always you know, always willing to kind of play the part, uh, whether at All Star games or what have you, um, and really kind of kind of be a guy that's kind of champion the league. So. Uh, I kind of feel for Roberto Luongo because I would have liked to have seen him on more teams like the Canucks and fewer teams like the Panthers uh, to see what he really could have done in his career. Well, it's funny you talk about the Pat Quinn years with the Leafs. I think, you know, his famous quote, my contract sucks as to why he didn't get traded. There were there were people reporting that deal was done with Toronto, that that's where it was going. That's when Toronto was crying out for a goaltender. And as a guy who handled a pretty bright spotlight here in Vancouver, it would have been really interesting to see what he would have done there in Toronto. I do think, especially a mix of what we've talked about here, the pressures of playing in a big market like Toronto, the pressures of being in that position, um, he has handled that very well with a great personality that's endeared himself to not only to the media, but certainly to the fans as well. I would have loved to have seen him have a stint with the Leafs. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate when you look at his numbers and, um, how poorly he's played this year in, in Florida. Like th- there was a time where before um, he had the, the big injuries this year that he was the the reason why Florida was winning games. And whenever he was out of the lineup, they, they just kind of went in the tank. But I think this is the first year in his entire career that he's not going to have a safe percentage over 900. And, you know, maybe that'll change in the next couple of weeks. But that just shows how consistent this guy has been. Like good, bad, or ugly, uh, regardless of what team he's on, um, he seems to be the bright spot on those teams. And um, it, it's unfortunate that he got so close to winning a Stanley Cup and never got there. But yeah, for me, that's a Hall of Fame career when you look at what Roberto uh, Luongo's done. Um, you know, knocking on the door of age 40, he's going to be there in a couple weeks, um, myself included. Um, it, it's incredible <laughs> when I know how achy, uh, the aches and pains I have, and that's just from playing weekend hockey, that this guy's doing it. And 
doing it at a high level. It's incredible. It it is good, and and you know it, it's an interesting debate here in Vancouver. In that, honestly, if you played more than two seasons here and didn't get arrested, it seems like they put you in their <laughs> ring of honor. Um, but but the you know the standards for different franchises of how to retire a number or, or what you do to a player. Uh, I think Luongo might have been one of those ones in that, oh, do we just put him in the ring of honor or do we retire the number one? But I think, as you said, if he goes in the Hockey Hall of Fame, there aren't a lot of Canucks in the Hockey Hall of Fame, so that would make that decision an easy one. Um, we will end the second period there, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about the playoff races, including uh, taking a look at the Jets and uh, maybe a couple of the other Canadian teams. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3, Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to the third period of the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast, Mike. I did want to, you know, we were talking there a little bit about the Canadians and Carey Price and how they probably end up playing uh, the Lightning. Now, they're only one point behind Carolina in that other wild card spot, but you have the Columbus Blue Jackets there who are three points behind them, and then there's a gulf till you get to the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's really just, you know, can Columbus find their way in? How do you think that's going to play out with those bottom three teams Are you are you confident that Carolina and Montreal are the ones who are going to stay in and this grand gamble of the Blue Jackets at the uh, trade deadline is not going to pay off for them? Yeah, confident, no. Um, like, I really don't know how that order is going to shape up. I, I want to say Montreal is going to be there just for the reasons we spoke about in regards to Carey Price. Uh, it's crunch time and we're seeing Carey Price play crunch time hockey uh, right now. So, and conversely, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets are... Uh, back-to-back wins where Bobrovsky has recorded a shutout in each of those wins. So he's playing crunch time hockey yeah, as well. Yeah, one of them was about against the Canucks, though. You can't really count that. <laughs> hey, come on. A shot is a shot. And, you know, Pedersen is shooting it. That's a shot. So, um, but then you look at Carolina, and it, it seems like this is just the Las Vegas Golden Knights all over again. Like, this team is riding some sort of magical run here that doesn't want to end. So... I, I really don't know how to handicap it. Like, I want to say all three teams have a great chance of getting in, but obviously only two are going to do it. Uh, right now, I've got my money on Montreal, and I want to say Carolina just for the sake of, you know what, when, when Yarmo Kikalainen went all in with Columbus and, um, you know, not only got Duchesne, but got Zingle and a couple others, I almost feel like he was tempting the hockey gods to say, you know what, this isn't going to work out for you, pal. This is all going to blow up in your face. And, you know, anything could happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jackets fall out and this just becomes one of those, how why did you guys go all in with a team that was just a bubble team? It, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about those type of teams at the trade deadline. And it's very interesting that when you look at Columbus, and even if they are to, to squeak in, they have just been so inconsistent since making those moves. There's no there's no indication to me they're going to go on a long playoff run. Certainly, like you talk about, well, Carey Price could upset uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning or spur, spur on the Canadians to do that. I don't see any way in the world Columbus would beat the Lightning um, unless something drastic happens and injuries come into play. Buffalo, another team that really have just been absolutely awful since the uh, since the trade deadline. The Canucks, Edmonton, like you go down the list of all these teams that are having this debate, like 
do I want to gamble? Do I want to go all in? Should I go for futures? Should I get draft picks? And ultimately, I thought too many GMs were played it too safe. And here we see a lot of them since the trade deadline, they just haven't been able to get their act together. No, it's it's really weird. And the Buffalo scenario, like I, I pay attention to that team just because of how close they are. And I, that's one of those teams like Edmonton. I just keep waiting for that breakout year where they, they're terrible, like picking first overall, then the next year, you know what, they're, they're a playoff team and they're for real. We're going to see them. Why isn't it happening in Buffalo? Like you look up and down that lineup, they're name players, they're guys who are having great seasons. Like Jeff Skinner might be the comeback player of the year um, based on how many goals he has. Jack Eichel um, really kind of solidified himself as, I, I think, almost a superstar this year. Um, the goaltending was really saving the day at one point. They've got a, an interesting young defense there with Rasmus Dahlin. But for whatever reason, they had like one win in 16 games, and that's basically yeah. since the trade deadline. How is that possible? Like that really kind of, if I'm a general manager, I am totally concerned at what kind of team I've got here because, you know, they were right in it. They make that trade for Brandon Montour, uh, Brandon Montour at the uh, at the deadline. And uh, fine, that wasn't a rental player, but you're thinking, okay, this could be the, the shot of adrenaline that this team needs to kind of get in there. And I think they're only three or four points back at the time. Really, now they've got passed by the New York Rangers who had a fire sale at the deadline. It just doesn't add up. I know. So I'd have real concerns right there. That roster almost as concerning as the Edmonton Oilers right now. So if we look at the West, um, I mean, we've we've talked all year about how the East has superior talent and, and on the West, you sort of say which teams even want to be in the playoffs. But there's definitely it's more of a dogfight. Even though the games are dwindling down, you look at uh, Edmonton and Chicago, both at 76 points. Um, they are, you know, 80 or 81. So you got f- your five points out in between you is, is Arizona, who are tied with Colorado at 81 uh, and Minnesota at 79 points. So if you say that that you can, if things fall your way, you can make up those five points. And then you got Dallas in there too with 84 points. You know, there's a lot of teams scrapping for it, but the fact is they have to climb each over each other. How do you think this is going to play out? I, you know, Colorado is one of those teams you talk about. Buffalo, Colorado is one of these teams that's had elite talent and it's always supposed to be their year and they never seem to be able to put it together. Yeah. Um, they, of course, they have their own pick and they have Ottawa's first round pick. So, you know, they're going to get more talent anyway. I think it'd be a great story if Arizona got into the playoffs. Um, you know, Minnesota there as well. They spent big on free agents several years ago. And, you know, is is it been a condemnation of that strategy that they haven't been able to do it? Chicago charge for a while, don't have it in Edmonton, as we've talked about, is a dumpster fire. There's a whole lot of mediocrity here. But, you know, two of these teams have to make the playoffs. Yeah. And right now, Dallas, I think, has got the best chance just because I'm like looking at their upcoming schedule. And aside from Calgary, like they, they face the Oilers, the Canucks, uh, they got the Flyers, the Blackhawks, and the, and Minnesota Wild. So that, those are all non-playoff teams with the exception of uh, the Calgary Flames. So you think that that team should be in there. Um, and then looking at Colorado, like Philip Grubauer has just been an outstanding force in these last couple of weeks. It really has been, uh, aside from, we keep talking about how good that offense was. Um, and they had those three guys on that one line where it's McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog who were at one point, like all in the top five in scoring. Well, it's the goaltending now. It's finally kind of carrying them. And um, I, I have a feeling that this is how it's going to end up. I don't think Arizona has the firepower. And I think we've seen it now in the last couple of weeks where they're having trouble scoring. 
Um, they're going to have to face the Golden Knights, the Blues, the Jets, and the Sharks down the stretch. So, um, sorry, I'm uh, sorry. They're going to have to face the, the Golden Knights, the Jets, and um, the Avalanche. So, you know, they're going to have to beat the Avalanche if they're going to get in. But I just don't see the Wild and the Coyotes of kind of getting past those other two teams. I think it's going to end up how it's looking right now where the Stars and the Avalanche are going to get in there. And when we're talking about surprising eight seed teams and teams that could um, potentially upset, well, uh, I'd be worried if I'm playing the Avalanche, if I'm the Calgary Flames, because the goaltending has been hot. They've got the firepower. And like you said, like you look up and down that roster and you're saying to yourself, well, why isn't this a better team? Well, it might be a better team come playoffs. Yeah, maybe the playoffs will give them that stage to show that. I wanted to talk about Winnipeg and Calgary a little bit. I mean, certainly uh, Winnipeg had such a great run last year, falling short in the conference finals, and people knew they'd be there again this year. They did get off to a bit of a slow start, but to have the Flames and the Jets as the one-two teams in the West, um, does that surprise you now, and would you have even thought that was possible at the start of the year? completely surprised me <laughs> like i didn't think calgary was going to be this good to be honest i, I thought calgary was going to be um not where edmonton was is right now but i thought they were going to be how people were saying edmonton was going to be a bubble team this year i was saying okay yeah calgary is a bubble team as well when you, when you change the head coach when you add in so many key pieces whether it's james neal whether it's hannafin or lynn Holm, like they had a ton of roster upheaval and Typically, it takes a long time for those guys to gel. Well, it didn't. <laughs> those guys gelled from day one uh, over in China. So um, that that Flames team is, you know, it's a surprising team and it's been a juggernaut. And I'm still in the back of my mind saying, yeah, but is the goaltending good enough? And yeah, I guess we'll see in the first round of the playoffs and throughout if uh, either Riddick or uh, Smith can kind of take the load and run with it or if they just play the tandem role throughout the playoffs. But that's been surprising. The Jets have not been surprising. Um, you know, they showed a lot to the hockey world last year when they reached the conference final, and I thought that they were good enough to win it last year. So, you know, they're showing it again this year, and that's a team that I have high, high expectations for. Um, you know, if I was going to rank the Canadian teams this year, I'd say the Jets had the absolute best chance of winning a Stanley Cup, and number two was probably going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs, and number three. I, you know, I, I'm calling myself out on this. I thought the Oilers were going to be a lot better. I would put them number three on that you list. You weren't the only one. Yeah. I, you know what? I thought Connor McDavid was just too darn good not to carry the load. Like, I thought he was going to do what Sidney Crosby has done with his wingers and say, you know what? Put two plugs on his line. He will make them into stars. And for whatever reason, the goaltending, something failed, a lot failed in Edmonton this year. And I, I was grossly wrong. But, um, I'm still saying that the Jets heading into the playoffs, that's my Stanley Cup favorite if I'm going to pick a Canadian team. And if I'm going to pick a team from the West, that's my Stanley Cup favorite. So I'm expecting them to be in the final when all said and done. So, okay, so Jets are number one. Who do you think, you talk about at the start of the year, who do you think the next two, th two go go one, two, three, four in terms of Canadian teams with a shot at the Cup. And I'll, I'll make it easy on you. I'll take the auto Senators out of the equation. Oh, thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? I'll go uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, and you know what? I, I think Montreal has a better chance of, of reaching the Cup final wow. than Toronto right now. Something's something smells wrong in Toronto, um, and whether it's goaltending, whether it's defense, or it's just spring on the lake, Mike. Yeah, some. You know what? And <laughs> if, you know what? For my wife and my kids' sake, because I'll probably be home more. Uh, I hope I'm wrong on that, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto's out in you know five games this, uh, in, in the first round, and we see 
Montreal uh, a little further ahead, um, at least pushing the Lightning in that regard. And, you know, and, and again, that just speaks to something's off, whether it's William Nylander not scoring, whether the line's just not quite gelling enough or the defense um, having too many uh, leaks right now. Um, but, yeah, I, the way it's Toronto's sort of kind of stumbling into the playoffs, I, I, that's a disaster uh, waiting to happen versus Montreal where Price is playing his best hockey. While I agree with you that I think that the um, you've definitely got more talent and more quality teams in the East, uh, I do look at the West, and as we talked about earlier in the year, you look at like the Capitals and the Golden Knights last year, and how they have that heavy lineup that also has skill. You know, I look at Winnipeg, Nashville, Vegas. That still they they seem to have that blend of skill and toughness and grit and size. Now that can play against each other because if you have a, a war-like series, it can wear you down to come out the other end. And then, hey, here you go. Now just take on the Lightning or you know a fast skill team. But the Jets really do appear to be built for playoff success. They've got that great blend, don't they? Oh, yeah. And Big Buff is coming back now. Um, they really don't have any question marks. I think once they got Kevin Hayes at the deadline, uh, that allowed them to really kind of shift around their forward lines to a point where now Line is on the top line. Kyle Connor, who hasn't missed a beat, um, you're able to put him on the second line with Hayes. And this guy's got, I think, six goals in the last five games. He's already got 33 goals on the season. Like that's pretty darn good when you've got uh, a second line winger putting up those kind of numbers. And Hayes has also added a penalty kill component. Never mind the fact that this guy's a giant. Like you're talking about size and skill uh, and that blend of combination. Well, the Jets have that everywhere in the lineup. But can we just add one little thing here? How disappointing is it when you're looking at how few points these wildcard teams have in the West? that Edmonton or Vancouver wasn't able to kind of yeah. seize an opportunity this year and get in even with a mediocre season. Like when you're talking about Colorado and Dallas fighting it out and they're hovering around the 80-point mark, that's kind of embarrassing that the Oilers weren't able to get in. Like we're not talking about teams that are putting up 95-point seasons and getting in as an eighth seed. We're talking about teams that are maybe historically having the worst seasons um, on mass. Um, like, that is that is the a wasted opportunity more so than anything else in my mind. I I, I was going to say I agree with you 100 percent on Edmonton, Vancouver. You know what? When you look at Pedersen, I mean, he was a boon. No one thought that he would be as good as he was, as good as Besser was last year. He was coming off a really serious injury at the end of the year, and that the Canucks defense is a mess. I mean, we may see the debut of Quinn Hughes here in the next couple of a couple of days. Uh, supposed to be available today. Apparently, skating with his teammates for the first time. Um, and that will help their defense for next year. But I think people still felt the Canucks were a year or two away. But the Oilers, I, I still continue to wonder, and I know, you know, Connor McDavid's this good Canadian kid, won't won't uh, make waves. But with them seemingly not just not making progress, but falling further away. And in a year, as you said, Mike, it's there for the taking. Totally. You've fired your GM, you've fired your coach. Like, how many rebuilds can you go through? I wonder at some point, do Connor and McDavid's advisors say, you got to leave Edmonton, kid. You just have to. You look at Crosby. You look at, like, that's been the biggest comparable since he came in is like, oh, this kid's the next Sidney Crosby. Like, he, you're nowhere near a Stanley Cup. No. Crosby had been in two and won one by this point in your career. Now you're another year away. I know people say it's not in his makeup, but I, I just I just don't see how he will sit in that market year after year and, and not have a sniff at a Stanley Cup. It doesn't make sense. No, you don't want to have a career like Shane Doan's where everyone's saying, you know what, uh, this guy was a Hall of Famer and you almost have to 
convince people of that or Roberto Longo, who we were talking about earlier, he's saying, well, the first six years of his career where he is on just horse bleep teams like that, that's not what you want when you're talking about the best player in the world. And uh, that's why I think Edmonton's really done this kid a disservice. Like we should be talking about Connor McDavid every single day based on what he's doing and not only on highlight reel, but why it matters, why it matters for the Edmonton Oilers, why it matters for the NHL. Uh, why it's great that this guy's putting up these sort of Stanley Cup, hey, did you remember that moment? Um, and never mind the fact that uh, the Olympics haven't been able, to, he hasn't been able to participate on that kind of stage, but he hasn't been able to participate on the postseason stage except for one season. And th- that's a huge, huge kind of disappointment when you're talking about just hockey fans and um, time of year where everyone sort of remembers uh, monumental goals, saves, moments. Connor McDavid has had very few of those, and looking ahead, it looks like he's going to have to wait even longer. Um, I don't see the Oilers really kind of turning things around next year. I don't know how they do it with their cap constraints, and uh, that's a difficult thing. If I'm going to pick a team, I'm thinking the Vancouver Canucks have a way better shot at reaching the postseason next year just based on what I'm seeing with the the makeup of their teams. You know, it's that's such a great point. I think if um, we all have busy lives and there's so many games in a season and and it can be such a long grind and we all love watching as much hockey as we can, but it's the moments that matter in the playoffs that really tell a player's story at the end of their career. And if you're Connor McDavid, you do have to scratch your head and go, where am I going here? What's going to happen? I don't think this is going to happen this year or in the offseason, but I think if if they do have another year of just nothingness, at some point he's going to have to put his hand up and say, I need to play somewhere else. Yeah, well said. Uh, maybe that'll be Toronto. Who knows? Uh, anyway, <laughs> Mike, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I know you've got stuff to do. Um, thanks for joining me again. Uh, you can, if you like this, you can download uh, every week, subscribe through Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating. We'll be back next week to talk more as we get near the playoffs. Thanks for listening, everyone.